We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's an honor to obviously receive this award. Uh, in, I think this award reflects more of our group and our team and organization. Anytime someone gets recognized individually, it's usually a byproduct of the team winning and exceeding expectations. And I'd like to start off by thanking Jim Dolan for providing all the resources necessary for us to be successful. We also had great leadership from our front office in Leon Rose, uh, William Wesley and Scott Perry. Uh, but I also want to point out how important my coaching staff is uh, to our organization. We have a great coaching staff, uh, Johnny Bryant, Kenny Payne, Andy Greer, uh, Darren Ehrman, Dice Yoshimoto, and Aaron Brooks, along with Mike Whitson for a good chunk of the season. I was very fortunate to have them as, as part of our staff. And most importantly, our players. We have a great group of players. They gave us everything they had. We we're led by Julius Randle from the start of the season. But we have a great blend of players, guys like R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, uh, Derek Rose, Alfred Payton, Alec Burks, uh, Reggie Bullock, uh, Nerlens Noel, uh, and young guys like Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly. But everyone from top to bottom did a, an incredible job in giving us everything they had. Uh, and it was a special season. So I want to thank everyone, but I also want everyone to recognize that it was a, a group effort and certainly want to recognize our fans and how important they were to our success. We certainly appreciated all the support, and there's no better place than the Madison Square Garden. Woohoo! <laughs> all right. This is an unexpected little surprise. So um, as was just reported, by Shams Sharanya. Um, Tom Thibodeau has won the NBA's Coach of the Year Award for the 2020-2021 season. Um, a bit of a surprise, um, as this was not um, the same result as the NBA Coaches Coach of the Year Award, which went to Monty Williams. So this is the um, media award that is given out by um, the NBA media votes on it, 100 voters, and uh, Tibbs win it. I gotta say, I'm, I'm I don't know how to feel. On one hand, I'm a sh I'm thrilled for him, um, mostly because I've been in Tibbs' corner all year from the very beginning. Um, he got a lot of shit early on when the Knicks were, you know, still kind of a middling team. 
And uh, I, I, I planted my flag firmly on Tibbs Island. And uh, I was like, look, this team's different. This team's something about this team is different. You could tell it's different. Um, he is not perfect, but he's the right guy for this job. And we, we, you know, I think as the year went on, more, you know, don't forget early on, early on in the season, there were many takes where it was like, oh, you know, Mike Miller. If Mike Miller, you know, had a, a, a better shooting Julius Randle and like a better R.J. Barrett, he could have done this too. And then we went along and we went along and we went along and it was very clear that like, no, this was something different. Um, and 41 wins later, a four seed later, uh, Tibbs wins this award. Uh, a bit of an upset. Um, again, Monty Williams, I think, was, you know, the expected winner. Again, he won the, the coach's version of this award. So this is this is pretty this is pretty important. Um, this is pretty important because the NBA only gives out so many awards every year. They give out MVP, they give out Rookie of the Year, um, they give out Six Man of the Year, they give out Coach of the Year, and they give out uh, Most Improved Player. And the Knicks uh, have now two of those awards with Julius Randle winning Most Improved and Tom Thibodeau winning Coach of the Year, and obviously Derrick Rose finishing third in the six man of the year voting. So not a bad little showing. Um, I, we still have to see um, how many MVP votes Julius Randle gets. We still have to see how many, um, how many, um, where he ends up on the all NBA teams. Uh, we just got the voting totals released by the NBA. It looks like Tibbs won. Wow. Wow. This has to be, this has to be the closest vote. So Tom Thibodeau wins with 351 total points. Monty Williams, second place, 340 points. And then Quinn Snyder, third place, uh, 161 points. And then Doc, Nate McMillan, Steve Nash, and Mike Malone. Monty Williams actually received two more first place votes than Tom Thibodeau. Um, and received a bunch more third-place votes, but Tibbs got him with the second-place vote. So they were more or less even on first-place votes. Tibbs had 10 more second-place votes. Um, Monty had uh, nine more uh, third-place votes. Outstanding job. Absolutely outstanding job. And Tibbs joins a fairly exclusive club of coaches to win multiple Coach of the Year Award winners, which I am, of course, going to pull up right now. Um, just an absolutely amazing, like, just, can we take us, <laughs> I know the Atlanta series did not end the way anybody wanted the Atlanta series to end. Um, it didn't end the way that I wanted the Atlanta series to end. It didn't, it didn't end the way that, that you wanted the Atlanta series to end, but take a step back. Tom Thibodeau was thought of as one of the best coaches in the sport. Even when he departed the Chicago job, he left that job with the reputation of, at the very least, a top five guy. And I think he was still top, you know, three or four in, in a lot of people's minds. Took a year off because he was still getting paid. Took the Minnesota job and coached them to their, obviously, their, their first playoff appearance in 14 years. And they haven't been to the playoffs since. <laughs> Lasts an additional half a season and then gets fired. And then he was just like a guy. Um, he wasn't highly sought after, which is kind of baffling in retrospect. Uh, 
And don't forget, like, we did multiple podcasts around when the Knicks were searching for their head coach, in which I had people came on my pod and vehemently, vehemently, vehemently argued why Tom Thibodeau not only wasn't the right coach for this job, but was precisely the wrong coach for this job. And I'm not going to name any names right now because that's water under the bridge, but um, <laughs> there were people who really didn't like this hire and they thought that the hire was shit. Um, C.T. Pittman, of course, of course, what would a, a chat be without C.T. Pittman chiming in? Um, what a year for the New York Knickerbockers. Very proud of this team's accomplishments. I think we've talked so much about who gets the most credit for what they did this year. Is it Leon Rose? You know, is it World Wide West? Um, is it Julius Randle? I I feel like Tibbs has to be first on the list. I feel like Tibbs has to be first on the list because if you go back through the Knicks history, recent history, you know, last 20 years, you can you can name a bunch of really good players. And I think now that we're we're a little bit removed from it, and you look at what Julius Randle did, or at, at the very least, you look at what Ju- how Julius Randle came into camp and what he was prepared to do, and you compare it to guys who have been here in the past. Um, just off the top of my head, well, you had Sprewell and Allen Houston after Van Gundy left. You had Stephon Marbury, obviously, with Eddie Curry there for a hot second. Um, you had Zach Randolph, you had, uh, Jamal Crawford. Um, obviously you had Camelo Anthony. He had the one great, or we had the one great year. And then the years that followed, he had some very good statistical seasons. Um, you had Amari Stoudemire, um, half a good year. Um, you had Christophs Porzingis good for the one year he was, you know, healthy and kind of running the show. None of those other than the one other than the one mellow year ever resulted in anything like this. And so yeah, you could give all the credit in the world to Julius Randle and we have given all the credit in the world to Julius Randle and he has a, a a most improved player award for that. He's going to get MVP votes and all NBA and the whole thing. But I just think when you look at and if you're if you're going to be a Knicks fan who's who's being honest with themselves, which is not always easy for me to do, but I'm going to try to be honest with myself right now. Um, if you're honest with yourself and you look at the the kind of the stench that has emanated from this organization for the last 20 years, it's not something that executives have been able to fix. It's not something good players have been able to fix. Um, there have been really good coaches that have come through here, Hall of Fame level coaches that have come through here. Larry Brown, Mike D'Antoni, um, Don Chaney, former Coach of the Year award winner. Isaiah Thomas, once upon a time, pretty good coach. Um, none of these guys could do a damn thing. Jeff Hornacek won 49 games with the Suns his first year. Um, like, none of these guys came here and they didn't have a prayer. They didn't have a prayer in the world. It was too big of a job for them. Lenny Wilkins, thank you. Once upon a time, the most win- the winningest coach in NBA history for, for a hot minute. Um, none of them could do it. None of them could do it. Um, Tom Thibodeau came here and I think, you know, and uh, I'll read off the other, uh, thank you, Harry Donert. I appreciate you. Sanjay, uh, Torney, 
New York, we here. Thanks, J-Mac, and to the rest of the KFS family for everything you do, bringing us such joy in this magical season. Thank you. Appreciate you. And CT, is Leon Rose a lock for executive of the year? I'll get to that in a second. Um, there, I think, towards the end of the year and at various points through the year, and definitely in the playoff series, were a lot of critiques about um, – <laughs> I see that question, Miller. I'll get to that in a second as well. Um, there were a lot of critiques about Thibodeau's stubbornness. And, um, you know, some of it related to, to Alfred Payton. I still don't think we've heard the full story on that. Uh, you guys know what I think. But there's other stuff too. Um, pushed his guys really hard. Played his guys a lot of minutes. Did Julius Randle run out of gas at the end? Um, could he have hunted Trey Young more, you know, in the end? There were critiques. And I think to a certain extent, if you look back at literally any coach in NBA history, Pop, Riley, Phil Jackson, Spalestra, Brad Stevens, the holy, the, the, the guy, you know, golden child, Brad Stevens, um, Doc Rivers, any coach, any coach, you're going to find not just one or two points. You're going to find like different points throughout their career where you could look at something they did or didn't do. And you say, yeah, that guy fucked up. That guy, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't coach a very, and, and like, so can you nitpick at stuff Tibbs did maybe in the Atlanta series or throughout the year? Of course you can. Cause you could always nitpick with this stuff. It's so easy for us to, to sit here and nitpick. But, but I think what separates Tibbs from so many other coaches is Yes, his stubbornness can be a curse sometimes. Um, did I say Spolstra? Spolstra. Spolstra. How else do you say Spolstra? Spolstra. Um, whereas uh, Tib Tib's stubbornness can be a curse at times. Um, and we'll see. You know, let's see him with some really good players here. I think it is more, by far, more of a gift for this organization in particular. And if you look back at Chicago, when he got to Chicago, they had done nothing since the Jordan years with a brief interlude, you know, from, um, oh my God, Scott Skiles. But for all intents and purposes, they had done nothing since the Jordan years. He made them playoffs five years. Timberwolves, nothing since the, you know, KG was in his prime, went there, playoffs. And now with the Knicks, there is a method to his madness. Um, yes, he's stubborn as a mule, but I don't think the Knicks get to where they get to this year, and I don't think their organization is back on track if he wasn't stubborn as a mule. And I think this, or this organization needed someone to be that stubborn and that regimented and that much of a hard ass and just believe in what he believed. And if you didn't believe in what he believed in, well, you could get the fuck out of town. Um, and then there's the last part, which Rob mentions now. Rob Thalusma, uh, I think I got that right, um, which is so important, which is that the players love him. Um, and that does tell you everything you need to know. Because, I mean, the play players loved him in Chicago, I think, most players. And, and I think a lot of players loved him in Minnesota with the, with one notable exception. 
But I think there was a genuine love of this guy in New York. And yes, 100%, he needs to be a little bit more flexible when the time comes. And hopefully this year was a learning experience for him. Although, again, I want to see him with better players. Um, They needed the stubbornness. He was, I, I truly believe this, he was the only coach that could have come in and did what he did this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Steven Scalme, he did a lot with a little. Congratulations with Tibbs and winning Coach of the Year, New York Forever. Um, I think we saw a little bit of the softer side of Tibbs this year. He smiled. He laughed. Um, the players repeatedly would get on Zooms and media sessions and say how, you know, they didn't even practice that much. Julius Randle said that. Um, who, did, who called Tibbs a softy? I think it might have been Randle also that called Tibbs a softy. Like, he didn't screw around. If you messed up, you were going to hear about it. But if you went out there and you did your job, you were Tibbs' favorite guy. And he was going to play you until he couldn't play you anymore. Um, so I'll be curious to see how he evolves in this job. Um, I think he does need to continue to evolve. I think every coach does need to continue to evolve. But I also think that Tibbs believes in his principles. And I think he's going to stand by those principles. And again, those principles got the Knicks to where they are, and I think they're going to get them to where they need to be because ultimately, at the end of the day, the reason that players may now look at this situation as a place where they could come and potentially be successful is because they feel like they have a chance to win, and Tibbs gives them a chance to win because he's won everywhere he's gone, and he's won here now. 
Um, I want to just read off the list of names of players. So um, only three men have won this award three times. Uh, Greg Popovich, Don Nelson, and Pat Riley. Uh, Pat Riley, Greg Popovich, I think you could argue that they are two of the three, maybe two of the four greatest coaches of all time. Don Nelson obviously has, uh, I think Don Nelson has more wins than anyone, or if he doesn't have more wins than anyone, maybe Pop has the most and Don Nelson second, something like that. Don Nelson's a pretty damn good coach too. Um, those are the only guys to win it three times. So here's the he, the list of people that uh, Tom Thibodeau joins with two wins. Mike Boldenholzer, Mike D'Antoni, Cotton Fitzsimmons, Ubi Brown, Bill Fitch, Gene Shue. Pretty good list. Pretty good list. Amazing how many of those guys, by the way, have coached the Knicks. D'Antoni, Ubi Brown, and then Riley and, and Don Nelson, albeit uh, very briefly. Uh, we're seeing some stuff going in. Johnny Bryant congratulates Tibbs on his Coach of the Year victory. I bet you the players are going to be really excited about this one. Um, this is cool. This is really cool. Yeah, Kristaps Porzingis bitching his way out of Dallas, and you got Tom Thibodeau um, winning Coach of the Year here in New York. Um, crazy stuff. It's just, you know, I, I'll I, I guess I'll I'll end I'll end with this, and then I'll uh, I'll let everybody go and and enjoy their. Um, the rest of their Monday evening. I've been doing a lot of um, reflecting, I guess you might say, on this season uh, at the end of last week and and over the weekend and, and early this week and thinking about what's to come and moving forward and all that good stuff. Um, it's, it's just, it's nothing short of miraculous. It's nothing short of miraculous what they were able to accomplish. And specifically, when you think about all the fears that people had, and this is why I'm going to close with this point, because I think a lot of the fears that people had over the course of the year were kind of represented by the Thibodeau hire. You know, he was going to run guys into the ground. Guys wouldn't want to play for him anymore. He was going to bury the rookies. The rookies weren't going to develop. The young players weren't going to develop. Um, basically, that that they were going to sacrifice the long term for the present. Um, David Futternick, Tibbs grew up like 10 minutes from where I grew up. Supremely proud today. Um, you should be proud. We should all be damn proud. Um, I think slowly but surely all of those fears became unfounded. Um, <laughs> Joe DeSanto, Nick's roster looks like a thrift store and Tibbs led them to the four seed. Bless him. Seriously. Like, yes, he played guys a lot of minutes, but that also got Julius Randle to all NBA. And it now has RJ Barrett considering considered, excuse me, one of the bright young talents in the NBA playing all those guys, those minutes developed consistency. It developed good habits. It developed accountability because if you're going to do what he asks for, you're going to play. And if you don't do what he asks for, you're not going to play. Did every young player see a lot of minutes? Of course not. Frank Nilakina didn't play much. Kevin Knox didn't play much. Amari Spellman was cut. Um, Iggy Brasdakis was traded the hell away. But if it's one thing that I think 
a lot of Nick fans, when Tibbs was hired and people were like, oh, he's going to play veterans and this, that, and the other thing. I think the one thing that got lost and what nobody wanted to accept, there's not a winning organization in the history of the league that went out and just played a bunch of kids and just played a bunch of first and second and third year players or made them a significant part of their rotation, especially first, second, third year players that weren't ready to be out there on the court. And guess what? What did Tibbs do? The first, second year players who could actually play, he played. Emmanuel Quickly played. Obi Toppin played. RJ Barrett played and then some. You know, um, Mitchell Robinson, when he was healthy, played a ton. The guys who earned it and the guys who actually have some real potential, some real promise, as opposed to just every 21 and 22-year-old under the sun, those guys saw time. And what's more important? This is what I want to ask the people. All the people who are like, oh, I mean, I don't know if these people still exist, but they definitely existed in the in the in before the season started. All the people who were like, every minute that goes to a veteran is a wasted minute that we're not spending on Kevin Knox or, you know, Milikina or Brozdakis or whoever. What's more valuable to you? What's more important to you from a team building perspective? That all of the young players play on the off chance that like, you know, something goes right and like, oh, maybe Kevin Knox becomes a sixth or seventh man. Or, or, and I don't mean to shit on Kevin Knox. I'm just using him as an example. Or that the young players that do play, that those minutes are valuable. And those minutes mean something. And that there is accountability baked into those minutes. And then Obi Toppin goes from a player who, in the beginning of the year, didn't look like he knew what the hell he was doing. And by the end of the year, the, the Madison Square Garden was literally chanting the kid's name. Not because he put up a highlight dunk or because he made a three-pointer. It was because they could tell, because we are smart fans, could tell that he was helping the team win. And in that utter disaster of game five, when everything went to shit, Obi Toppin was the guy who came in, and Emmanuel Quickly too, mind you. And those two guys were the guys who came in, and people who know a little bit about basketball recognized what they were trying to do and were like, leave these kids out there. They're doing something. That's why I always fought against the stuff about Tibbs doesn't play the young players, doesn't care about development or growth or all that nonsense. If you look back at every stop he's made along the way, in Chicago, Minnesota, and now New York, you see that if you have a young player that's actually worth a damn, he's going to play that guy and he's going to make that guy better. Made Obi Toppin better, made Emmanuel quickly better, made R.J. Barrett a lot better, a whole lot better. And I know R.J. Barrett did a lot of that himself. But let me tell you something. It was not always pretty for RJ this year. Had some down moments. I give Tibbs a lot of credit for even when things were not going so great for RJ, when the three wasn't falling in the beginning of the year, when he was struggling from inside the arc, when he was struggling with maybe taking some not great shots at the beginning of the year, when he was struggling with taking some not great shots at the end of the year. Tibbs never, ever, ever, other than a few fourth quarters, when he was trying to win games, Tibbs never tightened the leash. He let R.J. Barrett go out there and work out the kinks. And that, when we talk about letting players play through um, mistakes for the betterment of their long-term success, that's not, in terms of 
getting to a winning place, that's not letting, you know, Kevin Knox, you know, go kick the ball around for 30 minutes a night. That's letting RJ Barrett still get his handful of possessions every game to try to figure out, okay, how am I, how am I manufacturing points right now? Because if I'm going to be my best version of myself in the long term, I need to figure out a way how to manufacture buckets inside the arc. And sometimes it went well, and sometimes it didn't go so well. But Tibbs gave him the leash to do it. So, um, look, is he perfect? Of course, of course, he's not perfect. I'm seeing, you know, in the, in my peripheral vision here, some complaints about the Atlanta series. You're never going to have a coach that, that's perfect that that appeases everybody. But this is one of those things where I think every Nick fan needs to um, take a step back, look at the bigger picture. Look at all of the coaches and executives and players and everybody who has been through this organization over the last 20 years and how they have utterly and completely and oftentimes spectacularly failed. I mean, talk about Larry Brown. Larry Brown won 23 games. Larry Brown was considered the best coach to, to, to walk the sideline in New York since Pat Riley. Man won 23 games. Like, there's been good coaches here that couldn't do it. Tibbs did. Um, so I see another comment in Super Chat. Uh, Brian Carter, what Tibbs did and the coaching staff did this season is the definition of lemons into lemonade. I couldn't be prouder of this team this year. I hope that's everybody's sentiment. So um, development happened. Winning happened. Accountability happened. Culture happened. Um, <laughs> you know, LOL Knicks went away. Embarrassment went away. No effort went away. All the bad stuff went away, and all the good stuff is 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 kind of here. Um, and so, you know, today is not for me a day to sit and dwell on, uh, you know, maybe a couple of the missteps. There are thirty coaches that do this job every year. And with a couple of exceptions, they're all pretty good at their job. Um, and Tom Thibodeau just got voted the best one out of all of them. Number one out of 30. Did it a decade ago, and he did it now. And he did it with a group of guys that the people who get paid to make these sorts of predictions – all thought would finish dead last. Um, that is, if that's not coach of the year worthy, I don't know what is. So congratulations to Tom Thibodeau. Um, I, I will just, uh, should by the way, should Leon Rose win executive of the year? Um, I think he has an argument. I don't think he's going to win it, but uh, I think he did a pretty damn good job. Um, I, I will say, uh, you know, for, for anybody who is kind of new to this, uh, I am not someone who has made a lifetime in the media. Um, me getting to, you know, do the, uh, do the, the, the media zooms last year, like the in-person media sessions, um, is still a great thrill for me. And I will say, um, the high point of my year easily easily is that I got Tom Thibodeau to smile and, uh, and, and kind of 
I did it only one time. I did it one time. And there was one other time where he, he said I asked a good question. Um, and I think he was just being polite. But he did say, that's a good question, Jonathan. It was early in the year. I think it was preseason. Um, and that was really cool. And so that it was just such a trip. And I'm, uh, I'm uh, honored to have been able to ask him questions this year and hear his answers and just kind of, you know, if it's one thing that I'll remember about this season – it's that like his words always resonated with me as as being very honest. He didn't give you much. He didn't really give you anything. But what he gave you, he believed. And he had a lot of sayings and a lot of truisms and a lot of like kind of coach speak and regurgita and, and you know all that stuff. But he meant it. And and you could kind of see how I, I bet if you're in a locker room and you and you hear a guy really say certain things over and over again, you're like, wow, he really does believe this shit works. And I guess it does. Um so yeah. Uh congrats to Tibbs, congrats to Knicks Nation everywhere. This is pretty cool. We got the coach of the year. Um that's awesome. I'm just really happy about this. I'm so happy for Tibbs. Uh, if anybody watching knows him, tell him that loon over in Massapequa Park uh, who, uh, you know, goes and, and talks on Knicks Film School is really happy for you. Uh, and uh, on that note, I will um, see and talk to everybody very soon. Adios. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com